Welcome once again to Unprofessional. I am Lex Friedman, joined by the seventh most handsome man in podcasting, Dave Whiskus. Hi, Dave. Hi, Lex. Seventh? Well, it's pretty high. I mean, think about it. There's like 8,000 podcasts launched yesterday, so I think you're still doing pretty well. Where do you rank yourself on that list? Uh, you don't want to know. Uh, mm. But speaking of extremely handsome and talented gentlemen, we are joined on this episode by none other than Matt Trance. Hi, Matt. Hi, Matt. Hello, gentlemen. Thank you for that very kind introduction. He, well, I think I think this now makes him the first most handsome man in podcasting. <laughs> yeah. It certainly is the first nicest introduction I've ever gotten. Well, that's pretty good. So, Matt, tell the people who you are. What is a Matt Drance? Uh, my name is Matt Drance. I'm the only one I know of. Uh but don't let that fool you. Uh, I am uh, I'm a few things. I am a software developer. I make iPhone and iPad apps under my tent pole called Bookhouse Software. And I've been doing that for about four years. I also write at AppleOutsider.com, which is a place I go to talk about the technology and entertainment and marketing strategy industries. My favorite rarely updated blog. Thank you. I mean, Thank in the you. best possible way, you don't, you don't just post stuff for the sake of posting it. You, you post when you've thought something through. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I don't, you know, it's not my, uh, it's not my job. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's not something that I need to do every day. I would like to do it more often, but because it is not my, uh, my livelihood, I, I don't feel any pressure to do it. Um, so it's more of a, do I really, really want to talk about this? If so, I will just have to find some time. And uh, do I do anything else? Well, I stay, uh, yeah, I'm a part-time stay-at-home dad, or I try to be, one to two days a week. Do you have, like, an office that you go to? Yes, I'm, uh, well, in my house, I do. Oh, okay. okay. So, yeah, we got a room in the back of the house, which I'm sitting in right now, and it's a beautiful day here. So, when you say you're a part-time stay-at-home dad, that means part of the time you are specifically not in the office, but rather with the children. Yeah, so part, yeah, so I'm always at home. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm always at home, uh, but sometimes there are children with me. Like, how do you get away from that? <laughs> at some point, don't you just need a break? Just get out of the house? Uh, yeah. Well, sometimes, uh, you know, as a as a contractor, I... Like you build houses and stuff? Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's right. And... Uh, just for fun. Yeah. For, so some of my clients, I'll walk, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll drive to, to the office depending on uh, what's needed, what they want. So I, tr- I do get out of the house from time to time. Most of the time I'm working at home. Um, and, uh, you know, California has got a lot of nice roads, so I, I go out for a drive once in a while. It's, it's not too bad. Go out for a drive in the famed Drance mobile. Is it famed at this point? I'm, I, I'm I, not think sure. so. I think so. I think so. Why is it famed? I don't know about it. So it's not that famed yet. <laughs> Let's let Licks in on the secret. Uh, well, so, uh, we were just talking about it. I have a 2010 Mazda five, uh, which we may or may not have been calling a, a minivan based on your standards. Um, I have to to Google what that is. It's, uh, so it's actually, it's, well, it's Mazda's minivan basically. Oh, that's not a minivan. Yeah. See, exactly. There we go. So I, and, and I, I honestly, that was very well done, Dave. I can't tell if you really meant that or if you were just saying it because I had said it earlier. No, I'm looking Um, at the picture on the website. This is, uh. It's, it looks like a, uh, it's a minivan in the, I guess the way that like, it's a, a, a truly minivan sure. actually, uh, but it has sliding doors. So I call it a minivan really, actually it's just a Mazda three, which is a pretty compact car that's been stretched and, and raised. And it, so it actually drives like a car. It's, it's a pretty fun drive. And for the car geeks out there, you can actually, because it's the same chassis, you could actually put the suspension from a Mazda speed three, which is like Mazda's racy. Mazda 3 sports car. You could actually put the suspension from that right onto a Mazda 5. So you could have a slammed 
uh, grippy minivan, which is which is pretty cool. I look at cars <laughs> that have, um, you know, like uh, good safety ratings and good resale value, and then I buy them. So I understood like one third of the words you just used. <laughs> Uh, so I actually, uh, so I bought this used. So, um, I would say, I think these, I think they're like less than 20 K new. And I don't know. Yeah. It's a pretty affordable car and it's actually Mazda's best selling car. At least that's what the dealer told me. It's, it Um, was the, uh, 2013 minivan of the year from Autobuy. Oh, see, there you go. Minivan. So somebody else thinks so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, I'm just reading off the website. Lex is concerned about safety. Uh, for my part, I look at this and all I, all I can think to ask is what color did you get? Uh, we, so it was a 2010. I don't know if the color is current, but it's like a, it's a, it's a sort of a dark silver. It's not quite gray, not quite silver. Meteor um, gray? Possibly. I, you know, I'm, I, you know, they change, the, <laughs> they change the, they change the colors every year and, and I bought it used. So beggars can't be choosers. Manatee gray. Manatee gray actually might be pretty accurate. But does that mean you, you don't like the color of your car? Um, you said no, beggars can't be choosers. That like implied that, you know, well, I just had to take it because it's what was there. Yeah. Well, uh, no. So if, if I didn't like the color, I wouldn't have bought it. Okay. Um, That's, that, that was basically my question. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the, um, you know, when you're buying used, you know, you, you can't be too much. You can't be too picky. You know, you might not get the exact color you want, but, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta like it. You know, I have two used cars and the, and the same story with the other one where I'm like, well, it wasn't the color I was looking for, but I actually quite like it as it turns out. So we'll take this. What's your other used car? Um, it's, uh, it's a, uh, we're really going to open with this, I guess. It's a, um, <laughs> I, I gotta say, I will admit, I will fully admit because Dave and I are always open with each other. Matt, I feel like I can be that with you. I was amazed when he was like, yes, let's find out more about another car. I was surprised. <laughs> I did not expect that was the turn Dave was going to take because I know what the answer to this question is and it's not what you'd expect. I've been, uh, I've been toying with you, Lex. I've been coy. Um, oh, Dave, no, this is not the car Dave me. wanted to talk about. Um, so my I was deceived. Car, my other used car is a 2006 Lotus Elise and it's uh it's graphite gray with a red interior and uh bought it about two years ago used it was then that was also not the color I was looking for I was looking for British racing green because it's an English car you got to get it in racing green uh but as it turns out that color is very hard to find and you know these cars are not particularly uh easy to come by you know especially in that case it's like well this is the color and it's more or less the car I was looking for. It's just not the right color and they don't build them anymore. So, you know, what am I going to do? That's a good philosophy. I don't have uh, anything fancy, but my car, when I bought it, I bought it used and I wanted black interior. And and the one that I found was everything I wanted, except it had gray interior. And I was going to say no to it. And I finally decided, well, if that's the only thing I have to complain about, I should just shut up. Yeah. I I had to Google what a Lotus Elise is. It's a go-kart with a Toyota Celica engine in it. (laughs) basically <laughs> i drive a uh we have a honda accord from 2006 and we have a uh a honda odyssey from 2012 humble brag yeah and i was gonna i was thinking when we lived in la my wife and i each had civics we've been i guess a honda family for a while now but we each had a, i had like a, a an 02 and she had an 03 civic and when we left la 
we went to sell those Civics because we were, didn't want to drive them across the country. We figured we'd just buy new cars on the East Coast, which is what we did. And when we sold them, we ended up – our total cost for having the the 02 car was like $2,000 and for the 03 car was $1,500 because of how high the resale value was on wow. those Hondas, so, which is why I've never – and we had them for four and three years. Uh, but that's why I've decided I'm only ever going to buy Hondas because I was so impressed with their resale value. Yeah, uh, if you keep them – you know, I mean, if you're going to flip them that that quickly, so to speak, yeah, they they tend to hold the value pretty high. We had a before the Mazda, we had a 2000 Civic that was brand new, put about 110,000 miles on it, and wow. uh, we actually just donated it to charity and wrote, wrote it off. But the Blue Book value had gone down to 3,000 at that point. I have gotcha. no idea what my car is worth. So my that was my wife's car was the Civic, and before the the Lotus, my track car was a was an RSX Type S and Integra. So we had we were a Honda household exclusively up until yeah. a couple of years ago. And that car, both of those cars, had a hundred plus thousand miles on them, and they were they felt like new. The truth is, I as you were sort of referencing that, I don't leave my house very much. So my <laughs> my O six Accord. Uh, I think is at 28,000 miles and we bought it new in 06, but uh, wow. I just don't drive that much. I've had my car for three years and I put 10,000 miles on it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Now it, you know, working, that's what working from home will do. I mean, you know, we've, um, I don't think we put more than 6,000 miles on, on each car and that includes road trips and stuff like that. So road trips, what kind of road <laughs> trips do you take? <laughs> What kind uh, of road trips? Where would you go? Well, we, um, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff to do. Uh, Lex, where where are you? I I, I have no idea. No, I'm in <laughs> I'm in central New Jersey. I'm lost. Well, I know Dave is in Denver. I, I'm in central New Jersey. That's I thought I thought you were in the Northeast, but I couldn't I couldn't remember for sure. Um, yeah, so so I'm here in California and uh, I'm in the Bay Area. So. Uh, you know, there's a lot of places to go. You, you know, you, we we go to San Francisco with the kids. We go to you know up north to Muir Woods. We'll go to uh, Wine Country, um, Yosemite, uh, Monterey. Monterey we go to quite a bit actually. My my boys love the uh, the aquarium. Uh, but this weekend we're actually driving to Disneyland. Oh, you wow. are driving down there. Oh, we're driving. Oh yeah, nice. It's a it's a big drive to Anaheim. Yeah, it's about six hours. That's not too bad. Yeah, it's not terrible, and well, it's how old kind are of a kids? straight shot. Uh, three and one. See, I think it is terrible. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, the trick is you leave, uh, you know, after dinner, you know, yeah. shortly, shortly before bedtime. And then you just sort of do a midnight rundown. So, um, they're pretty Agreed. good in the car, my boys. Yeah, no, that's definitely the only way to do it. You got to do it at night when they can sleep. Yeah. You knock uh, them out. Yeah. Six hours. It's a long time. Yeah. And they're car babies. Just, just like me. I won't take a lot of credit for the good that my kids do but um sleeping is one of them and i and i will especially in the car and i will take credit for that i fall asleep in the car like that well the, when i'm not driving i fall asleep in the car uh very easily oh i i can't and sometimes when i am driving i can't sleep on planes i can't sleep in cars i've never tried really? sleeping on a boat but i bet i can't do that either uh, well what? boats are that's that's a totally different animal i sleep um, on all of those things just fine if I could lay down and stretch out, I'd probably be okay. But to sit up or to like sit at a weird angle and try to sleep, I can't do it. I'm thinking of, sleep, you know, right now we're talking about sleeping and road trips. And I'm realizing that I have this one story that seems perfect for both of those topics. But I'm, I'm wondering if I already told it on this show. Uh, run it past me and I'll tell you. About when I drove to Disney World uh, in college with a, a buddy of mine and he wanted to take his stick shift car. And so 
he was the only one who could drive it. And so we drove straight through for 24 hours and I had to keep him <laughs> awake. Have I told this story? No, I've never heard this. What'd you do? Hand stuff? So, so I'm reminded of this story. I'm reminded of this story, Dave, where uh, I was in college. I had just started dating Lauren, who is now my wife, but I had already planned a trip for our spring break uh, with three other friends who weren't Lauren. And so uh, this other guy, Cole, and two female friends of ours, we drove from Massachusetts to Orlando. We were going to go to Disney World. And the plan was we were going to take my car and each person was going to have different driving shifts and we were going to go straight through. But at the last minute, Cole's like, no, I want to take my car instead. And Cole's car was stick, which nobody else knew how to drive. And so it was decided that Cole would drive all the way through and I would sit in the uh, front seat with him and my job would be to keep him awake. And for a long time, we were doing fine. You know, the girls were awake for a while and then eventually they were asleep in the back and Cole and I are being, you know, silly and ridiculous and stupid and singing along to every song on the radio, whether we know the words or not, doing anything we can to stay awake for this very long drive. This sounds like the intro to either uh, a teen sex comedy or a horror movie. It was both. But then there was this moment, uh, very late at night now, where I suddenly wake up and realize that I have been asleep. And I think, oh, man, my job is to keep Cole awake. And I look over at Cole, and he is also asleep as he's driving the car. Uh, And I wake him up. And waking him up just scared the shit out of Cole, even more than I was already scared. <laughs> uh, I have, I mean, neither of us have any idea how long we had been asleep. It couldn't have been that long. Well, but, no, you, uh, you would be dead. Right. We how did fast live, was he going? Uh, about 75 miles an hour. Holy shit. And I have no idea, like I said, no idea how long we were asleep. Um, no idea why I woke up other than some kind of uh, survival instinct. But yeah, after that, we were wide awake for the rest of the drive. As a, as a public service announcement to any of, any of our listeners out there who might be about to take a road trip or something, <laughs> this, this is what methamphetamine is for. So what, I, uh, you know, what I'm thinking when I hear that is you know, if, if he actually did fall asleep and nothing really happened, then you need to get the name of his mechanic because that's a very good alignment. if that car is just tracking unguided with no problem at 75 miles an hour it's either an awesome road which i'm guessing no (laughs) um because i also grew up on the east coast or it's a really good alignment and so what was the car i have no idea see i don't know anything (laughs) about cars it was a stick 5000 it was silver (laughs) yeah stick's not too bad actually you know i mean the hardest thing about uh manual transmission is is starting is getting into first Right. So, you know, if you could just switch seats on the highway, then <laughs> you're all set. Every car I've owned, except for the one that I have now, has been a stick. I, I kind of prefer stick, but when I bought my car, my decision was I live downtown. I rarely drive. It's a very utilitarian thing. It's not like I'm going to be out joyriding or anything. Yeah. I don't care about performance. Uh, I'm just going to get an automatic so that I can not think about it. Yeah, and you know the the manual transmission's quickly becoming a relic, un- unfortunately, because it is it is a lot of fun. But you know nowadays, uh, most economy cars have uh, you know more efficient transmissions, so the fuel economy's better when you're not in charge. Uh, well, I have and, that that fancy what, what do you the the bump shift thing, Steptronic or whatever. Yeah, so right, so and then they have these Tiptronic or Manumatic things where. You know, if it's a traditional automatic transmission where it actually does have gears, then you can go up and down sequentially as you want to make it feel like it's not an automatic transmission, even though it still is. Um, but, you know, even newer compact economy cars have these things called CBTs, which uh, is conti- continuously variable 
transmissions, which doesn't actually have gears, just has, you know, sort of this infinite ratios. And and if those have a manual mode, then it basically does these weird approximations. It just jumps to ratios to make it feel like it's shifting. So they're actually faking it uh, for people who care about that sort of thing. Skating to where the puck used to be, as it were. <laughs> I kind of want to conference Marco in and make this an episode of Neutral. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'll, I'll stop talking about transmissions now. <laughs> no, well, no, I have questions now, and this will just show my ignorance of this. When you're driving a, a manual transmission, yeah. uh, your, your left foot's going to control the clutch. Uh, do you still use your right foot, foot for both the uh, gas and brake? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. So, so normal people, yes, they do. Um, okay. Uh, a lot of racers will actually brake with their left foot. That's crazy. Yeah, and, and it's the idea of of not wasting that fraction of a second to take your foot off the gas. So you know, there, you see a lot of guys on message boards talking about how they want to learn left foot braking, and I guarantee that like most people are not going fast enough to need to learn left foot braking. <laughs> There, there, there is more than a tenth of a second out there somewhere else, based on your use of the steering wheel and whatever else. Uh, yeah, so it is a it, left foot braking is is a thing. But generally speaking, Lex, when you're driving on the street, yeah, you still the right foot still does the same things it always did. So my my dad has you know drives an automatic car at this point, but he always has driven with two feet with his left on the brake and mm. when he was starting to teach me to drive that's what he did and then my driving instructor who my parents hired were like that's crazy and don't do that <laughs> uh, so i don't yeah but i'm always yeah, you don't want to do he that. does you don't want to do it because and the real reason you don't want to do it on the street is you'll be inclined to basically rest your foot on the brake pedal right which is not only unsafe but it will probably ruin your brakes and you know any other number of things so yeah don't do that i'll go with the instructor on that two long-standing car questions and it feels like this is finally the show to get them answered are you ready for this day <laughs> finally finally this is two very serious car questions for me these wait these are serious questions yeah one is if i'm putting on the heat in my car because it's cold do you want the ac button lit up or not lit up not lit up well so right. let me ans- let me give you an a, an indirect answer uh, See, it the, is a puzzle. The air conditioning button means more than cold air. Right. There's a system that's engaged when you push that button, right? It typically just generally refers to climate control. So if you have your defroster on, for example, so certain cars, if you put the defroster on, it will automatically turn on AC for you. And I would imagine that that's because there's um, there's probably some moisture control stuff going on as well. But I can't be entirely sure. Uh, so I wish I wish I had a definitive answer. But I, generally, you do not. You certainly don't need the AC button on if you're going to do heat. Right, right. You can. <laughs> yeah. it, the car will get warm without it. But I never know if I'm supposed to use it or not. I asked the guy who sold us our Odyssey, and he said, "I don't know the answer." And then I was like, "Well, if the car guy doesn't know, then I give up." Yeah, well, that's well, so, right. So typically, AC is associated with cooler air because there's a condenser right. that, you know, whatever. But. Uh, but in certain circumstances, like in auto climate control situations, you'll see the AC light on. Like if you've got, uh, you know, if you have climate control in your car where you just right. set a temperature as opposed to hot or cold, um, yeah, you'll that. sometimes see the AC oh. light go on even no, though there's warm it. air coming through. What? I hate setting a temperature in the car because... Oh, you're nuts. Then, that's the best. No, because <laughs> in the wintertime, you know, my wife will look at me like, 88 degrees, that's way too hot. We don't be 80 degrees. But at the same time, in the other car that just has the blue and red, she'll dial it all the way to the maximum red. And I'm like, it's the same thing. It's just maximum heat. And they're, here they're giving you a temperature for it. So I, I don't like the confusion that the temperature control gives. No, no. My car is always set at 72 degrees. 
I don't care what it needs to do to get to 72 degrees. I just want 72 degrees. Well, so my other important question is, what the hell do you do with your right foot when the cruise control is engaged? Just put it on the floor. Dashboard. Or the dashboard. <laughs> yeah. I Until you've seen death is, proof, and then you don't put your foot on the dashboard anymore. Actually, Dave, you're tall. Too. I'm th- I was thinking that maybe it's a height thing, because for me, I can't comfortably put it on the floor and my knee hits the steering wheel. Yeah, we're the same height, aren't we, Alex? 6'2"? Yeah. yeah. So that's not it. I don't have cruise control, so... Uh, that's what? not a problem for me. Oh, it's because your car is about like awesome, active, attentive driving. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, actually, it's not even a. It's not even a. Yeah. So it's a. It's a purist sort of thing where it's not about awesome, attentive driving. I mean, it is, but but the real thing is uh, that car is all about lightweight and you know any sort of feature that's going to add weight to the car that doesn't make the car go faster. Um, they they don't do it. So like I the 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 Elise doesn't have a glove compartment. For example, whoa! Where do you put your gloves? Uh, I don't. So I don't drive with gloves. So <laughs> oh, because of the weight, uh, and it doesn't get that cold here. So that, that's the gloves tend to not be an issue. But were I to have gloves, I would have to put them uh, either on the floor or there's this tiny little crappy net behind the driver's seat uh, where you put the owner's manual, and, and that's pretty well, much it. Th- this um, is going to sound like a series of dumb questions, and mm. I apologize, but I'm being completely serious. It, with racing, if weight matters, is it like swimming where you'll like do these crazy diets and try to shave off and like make yourself not more aerodynamic, <laughs> but Yeah, but so actually, it's funny. You were just in the middle of that. I was, I was going to cut you off and say, no, I do not shave before I go to the racetrack. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, there, there are, um, there are there, you know, guys go to the track in, you know, four seat cars and they'll take they'll take seats out they'll get to the track they'll unbolt the seats take them out do you would you wear um, lighter clothing maybe <laughs> no uh well so i would wear lighter clothing just because it's more comfortable it's like a spandex bodysuit i'd say just the shorts but you don't want to stick to the back of the seat yeah well yeah and some guys wear like the full fireproof suit i usually just wear some some light cargo pants and a, and a comfortable breathe like breathable t-shirt I'm learning so much. Because I'm not so you truly, go to the, I'm not really competitive. When I go to the track, I'm not really competitively racing. I'm kind of just out there doing laps. And yeah, you pass people on your wheel to wheel and stuff, but you're not trying to, you're not trying to beat each other per se. So you go to the tr- the track to drive around, but when you're not on the track, do you, are, and you're just driving around <laughs> California, I imagine yeah. you can't really ma- make the most of what your car can do. Correct. You're not generally putting up like to 120 on no, the no, and, and you know this is a this is actually a wonderful thing, um, and this is why I'm really sort of an advocate of people learning to do performance driving, whether it be going to a school or joining, uh, you know, a, a, an autocross or a track club. Is you get it if you're that kind of person, you get it out of your system. You know, I I drive when I'm out on the road. I'm right lane 55, 65 kind of guy like i'm not weaving in and out of traffic i'm not being a maniac unless i'm late did you say 55 65 kind of guy yeah because i don't believe that you go 55 i don't go 55 (laughs) and i'm like the straightest edge driver i know i drive 90 everywhere downtown i don't care yeah i mean really unless i'm late for something or i'm in a or i'm in a terrible hurry i don't because you know because uh so for example i was just at thunderhill raceway last friday so you know i kind of bled it out <laughs> do you i feel like it would be really hard for me at a racetrack uh not that i could ever drive on a racetrack without killing myself but <laughs> i feel like if i were you know uh changing lanes that i would undoubtedly signal 
on the track. <laughs> yeah. Well, so first of all, there are no lanes. Uh, but you know, when you, but the, you know, there's a, there's a protocol for all this stuff that the, you know, the club set the rules. They have something called a driver's meeting in the morning where they talk about how they want things to go. If somebody's faster than you, which, you know, they're inevitably you're going to get passed by other people and you're going to pass other people still. Uh, and you know, there's a protocol for that based on how the club works. You know, typically you, um, you see the guy in your mirror, uh, excuse me, guy or girl in the mirror and you just basically stick your hand out the window point pointing to the left or to the right. And what you're telling them is not that's where I'm going, but that's where I want you to pass me. Um, so the most important thing to avoid a collision on the racetrack is to be predictable, um, to basically stay your own path. If somebody wants to pass you, it's their responsibility to do that safely. Doesn't rolling down the window, like make your speed drop and doesn't your hand like flap about like crazy. So, so, uh, so that's a good point. You know, a lot of people would think, yeah, for aerodynamics or whatever else you would keep the windows closed. But in fact, they want the windows open for two reasons. Uh, one reason is if there's something, uh, you know, audible, you know, that, that you need to hear, um, you know, you can hear that. Um, but the, uh, the other reason would be, um, they don't want an incident, you know, if you crash or, you know, there's con- contact between cars or you hit a wall or whatever, they don't want that glass all over the track. <laughs> oh, I thought it was going to be about <laughs> you, but it's about the and, and And then the other thing you'll that see would be is dangerous. If, you'll, if you don't even need to go to the racetrack, you know, if you just see pictures on the internet or whatever of a track day or a race or whatever, you'll see a lot of these cars with, with blue painter's tape on their headlights. Um, and that's... And that's, and that's why, because if a rock or something or some piece of debris flies into the car, breaks the headlight, that tape probably won't protect the headlight, but it may prevent the glass from flying all over the place. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. you were saying a minute ago about 55, 65 driver. Yeah. I've never been a race-ist, racer, racer. <laughs> Uh, either I've never been a, a like a car guy. I've never been. I, I've never had that need to drive really fast. I guess I see the appeal of it. The closest thing I've had to a sports car, I guess it was a sports car. I had a BMW Z4 for a couple of years, and I always thought that I would take it out to a track or do something. And I never got around to doing it. And I think the the fastest I ever drove that car was maybe seventy five. Mm. Except for one day, I was running late to the airport. I was going to miss my flight, and I got pulled over. For doing, I think it was ninety-five and a fifty-five. That's yeah. That'll uh, <laughs> fortunately that'll the guy was something. <laughs> fortunately, the guy, the cop was really nice and only gave me a ticket for sixty-five and a fifty-five. Yeah, typically once you go above like once you're beyond. I mean, I guess it depends on the state, but in California, when, when you're more than I think it's tw- if you're more than twenty-five over the limit, it's a whole new ball game. I don't remember what the exact number is, but there is something like that where it basically automatically becomes reckless driving. Right. I think in Colorado, uh, 20 miles over the limit, is it 20 or 30, something like that, and you just lose your license. Wow. Like pretty, one strike and you're out? Uh, it's like a, you it's lose a point it, scale. It's probably suspended for Yeah, for yeah, yeah. Not, not lose it forever, but some kind of suspension. It, it's wow. like a point scale, and after 20, 20 miles per hour over, you hit enough points where it's like, well, screw it. You're just you're done. So you had a Z4, and now you've got a 328? 325. 325. That I mean, so this is the thing about racing. You know, people talk about racing and performance driving and all this stuff. You don't need a Z. Like you, you would have just as much fun, especially starting out. You would have just as much fun in a three twenty five as a Z four, and you would have and you would have fun in a Accord too. Like, <laughs> um, so I should take my my three twenty five XI down to the track and yeah, I challenge all of you. You would be surprised how much you could get 
out of the car you've been driving. I mean, it really is. There's just this whole other world waiting to be unlocked in, you know, in every driveway. I mean, it, it sounds sounds hokey, but it's it's so true. I mean, I have seen dudes in Hyundai accents wow. pass, you know, Mustangs and Mitsubishi Evos and stuff like that. And, you know, what? The, oh, I yeah. know what I'm doing later. <laughs> no, uh, no modifications or anything. You know, learning how to drive for real. Uh, is is a is a revelation. I'm I'm definitely going to try this. I yeah, think, I, you probably, know, and, well, maybe. and so you also you live in a you live in an area where there's snow, and so I bet there are clubs out there that will do like snow days and stuff. Which there's literally snow right now. Yeah, really? I I I, uh, I got an email from uh, from Mike and Nicole Clark, my esteemed colleagues at the Pragmatic Studio. Uh, not to talk about work, but I, I'll give them a <laughs> shout out there. Um, they're in Colorado, and they said it's snowing, and I said yeah. I'm sorry. It's it's crazy it's, out there. I actually what? think it's kind of cool when you get weather like that at an unusual time. You know, when I was going to college in the Northeast, you know, when it snowed in May, we were we said what? But then we made the best of it. So I want to talk more about the Disneyland Disney World road trip thing. But first, we should take a minute and thank our sponsors. Well, let's take a break and talk about this episode's sponsors. What do you say? I think that sounds great. All right, I'll go first. <laughs> let's talk about. Solver. Now, here's the thing. I use this app at least a couple times a week. I love it, and I'm not sure how to pronounce it. I don't know if it's Solver or Solver. I'm going with Solver because it's got soul. Solver. S-O-U-L-V-E-R. Sol- Just say it with an accent. Solver. Solve. That's French. Uh, Solver hmm. is a Mac and iOS app for doing quick back-of-the-envelope style calculations. It's a bit like a notepad, but it's one that actually knows how to do math. You can work with numbers, work stuff out. You mix numbers and words together so your calculations make sense. And there are still lots of useful features to make common daily math tasks <laughs> to make common daily math tasks easier. There's built-in currency conversion. So you're like, tell me... $20 in Australian dollars. And it's like, oh, okay. I need that. Yeah. So it's, I do that all the time. It's quicker to use than a spreadsheet. It's more useful than a regular calculator. I use it when I'm figuring out everything numbers related because I am terrible at numbers. So I can put in all the words and it knows, it figures out exactly what you mean. It's very, very smart. It's very cool. Here's where you go to get it, Dave. Are you ready for this? Right where this do I down. go? I'm right. Hey, oh, hang on. Okay. I got a pen. All right. You're going to go to unprofesh.com. Slash Solver. So it's unprofesh.com slash S-O-U-L-V-E-R. Got it. And here's the thing. They have a video on their website, so I'm going to see if they say Solver. Okay, and they have accents, so it's Solver. Good. We said it right. Solver. Solver. Yeah. Solver helps you do everything. So you check them out. Go to that unprofesh.com slash Solver. You'll watch a video that shows you the things you can do. It's kind of magical. I use it. I'm glad that they're a sponsor because I use it, so you should check it out. That's what I'm saying. I bet people are going to be talking about this one because it's so much fun to say. Solver. Silva. It's like silver, but with more soul. It's hard to say it and not sound like Regis. <laughs> Solva. I'm out of control. <laughs> uh, and guess who else we got sponsoring this week? I have no idea. You're never going to believe you're, you're not going to believe it. You're not going to believe it. The first time they've ever sponsored a podcast, Squarespace. Wow. Okay, so everybody knows what a Squarespace is, and everybody hears about Squarespace. But the thing is, Squarespace is actually pretty awesome. They they do web design and hosting. It's web design and hosting that anyone can use. You can choose from one of their beautiful templates and plug in your own content. Mm. You can drag photos from your computer right onto your Squarespace website, and they're uploaded automatically. Squarespace sites are built to look great on any computer with customized designs for iPhones, iPads, and other mobile devices. Everybody knows what a Squarespace is, but it's, it's actually really, really great. It's the reason we use it for unprofesh.com. 
It's customizable enough that we can do the things that we want to do, even though we haven't even begun to scratch the surface yet. But uh, it's it's easy to make it pretty. It's easy to make it uh, useful for for our listeners. We're we're selling custom shows and T-shirts off of this thing. With uh, I got to tell you, very little work on our side. What's amazing to me is that they've it's they you know they they send us bullet points of what they want us to talk about, and that's when they're like, you know what, everybody knows about that stuff now. But to me, the magical Stripe integration to do the e-commerce stuff with Squarespace is so good that I'm going to talk about it, even though they didn't say I had to, because it really is incredibly easy. You don't have to do any PayPal integration bullshit. You just use the friggin' built-in Stripe integration. It takes your, takes money from people and gives it to you. It's great. Yeah, it's pretty great. Speaking of, uh, I mentioned we're selling T-shirts. The last day for that is tomorrow as you're listening to this. If, assuming you're listening to this on Tuesday the 14th, the last day to buy a T-shirt is tomorrow, Wednesday, May 15th. So unprofesh.com, and there'll be a T-shirt link there somewhere. If you'd like to buy an unprofessional T-shirt, support the show, and look super attractive in the process you've, you've got very little time left to pull that off did you know though that that unprofessional listeners can get a free trial of squarespace and they don't have to use the credit card really yeah you go to squarespace squarespace.com slash i don't know how to pronounce it i've never heard of this company before you go to squarespace.com Squalver. slash you go to squarespace.com slash unprofessional uh you try it out you fall in love with it because it's awesome and then you're like crap i gotta own this thing what do i do don't pay full price no, everybody who Only listens a to the show knows price. that I never pay full price. So you're going to use the the promo code unprofessional uh, five. You're going to use you really the promo code unprofessional five. Unprofessional five. When you're checking out, <laughs> you go to squarespace.com/slash/unprofessional for the free trial, and then use the offer code unprofessional five. That's unprofessional followed by the number five. You're going to save ten percent. You're going to feel rich, not just in web hosting, but in discount. Yeah. You know what we should do now? No. We should get back to the show if you insist. All right. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> and back to you, Matt. Hi. <laughs> Did we thank the sponsors? I, I I think I missed that part. <laughs> oh, shit, you weren't listening it. attentively enough. Attentively? That, oh, so we cut that in later. Is that yeah? Exactly. It, because, See, I'm such an amateur. I I don't know how this works. No, the reason we is uh, we don't want to make you listen to us talk about our sponsors. Oh, see, I was actually hoping to learn about quality products. And services that would have this the wherewithal to sponsor this show. I'm ready to go buy things now. <laughs> See, I wanted to come back from the break and be like, you know what? I just bought one. <laughs> Thank you for the lesson in wit. <laughs> and I'm very serious. So, that might have sounded a little uh, disingenuous, but I, I, no, I, I, I like it really, that way, though. <laughs> I, you know, I strive to give better answers, and that was a pretty good one. A one and three year old at Disney World or Disneyland yeah. seems. Seems insane. like a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, having we'll a one and a three-year-old sounds insane to me. Right. Well, I have six, four, and two, and I'm I'm waiting till the youngest is like four because I feel like that's the youngest you can appreciate Disney. But you're maybe telling me I'm wrong. So teach me, enlighten me. Well, well, I, I'm not telling you anything. I will let you know though. Um, I, you know, I, I think um, you know my my three-year-old. He loves. He's totally obsessed with Cars, the movie. Well, Cars, Cars, the thing, and Cars, the movie. I wonder where um, he gets yeah, he's that from. He's got his Lightning McQueen sheets. <laughs> he's got multiple toys. and uh, So he's going to be real excited about the Cars Land thing. You know, they know Mickey and Pooh. And, you know, they know a lot of the characters. We don't watch a lot of television in this house. but um, Where do you go to watch it then? We watch it in the car, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, the the biggest challenge is the height thing. Yeah. There's not a lot of rides you can go on until you're, you know, 38, 40 inches tall. 
and it's for me the hardest thing is with the six year old when she is tall enough, but the four year old isn't. The four year old is like right, so that's even worse. And so we're not going to have that problem yet, um, but we will in a couple years. So you know, I think generally it's just you know we're just going to walk. You know, we're going to walk around the park. We're going to go on things that we know we can go on. You know, like Peter Pan and you know the the sort of kitty stuff. um, And uh, you know they're going to have a blast just walking around and seeing the characters and. Uh, so, you know, they'll probably get tired and, and have you prepped cranky. them for the, uh, the gigantic characters? Uh, Prep they, them? Uh, we haven't even told them we're going yet. So oh, we're going to throw them in the car and then, so this is a thing now. Um, you just, you can do this on YouTube. Like you've got these parents do this, <laughs> the surprise Disney trip, the Disney surprise videos. Yeah. yeah. Like we're not going to grandma's house. We're going to Disney world. <laughs> and the kids are like, ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, and then they put it on YouTube. My favorite one, which is years old, is this girl who they surprised on her birthday. She's looking through this backpack full of presents for her. And she's like, oh, it's a dumpling. And then, oh, look, here's tickets to Disney. And the girl, and she's, I don't know, three or four, starts crying in yeah. happiness. And yeah. it's just unbelievable because that's not an emotion that I expect to see out of somebody quite that young. We've done that with my kids with Sesame Place. where Oh, uh, Sesame Place. We, we've taken them there without telling them where we're going. I, th- I think we've we can no longer do that now. They're they're hip to it. They they start to recognize the landmarks on the way. <laughs> it's a pretty. But I was saying How with, with warning them it? about. Oh, it's only about forty five minutes. Oh, all right. Um, so it's not like yeah. So it's not like yeah. But you're not boarding a plane, yeah, right? Yeah. But so but Dave, to to my point about the characters, like but the first time we went, we warned them. You know, Elmo's actually. You know, you've seen him on TV. And he looks small, but Elmo's going to be huge. Like Elmo's almost as big as Daddy. Because yeah. you go to Disney, and you see like half the kids are cowering and crying from the giant creatures. So we wanted right. to warn them ahead of time. And so <laughs> right. with my kids, you prep them and they're ready. So oh. they were like, "Oh, hey, here's giant friggin' Elmo. I'm ready for this." And <laughs> that's actually that's a really good point. I probably should Man. prepare them. That, that never because I'm actually a pretty short guy, so you know, a lot of kids would be like, you know, you know, Mickey's actually going to be a lot larger than Dad. He's not. A, he's not. He's not your typical mouse. So they um, they they don't show things to scale in the cartoons. It turns out Mickey can eat you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so you know the they do like the uh, you know they have the the hotels over there. They have like the um, the character breakfast and stuff where you sit down and you eat breakfast and the, the characters just come to the table and stuff. So. We might do that. Do they talk? No, they don't. The the human the, characters will talk, like Gaston, correct? Or yeah, Snow and White. Snow White and, and, and Cinderella and stuff. But yeah, the um the costumed animal characters, no, not to my knowledge. That seems like an opportunity for uh, you know uh, some technology innovation there. Yes, and Imagineering. You know, when you go to freaking Sesame you, Place, they've got the Elmo who does an Elmo show, and his mouth flaps and it's synced up with audio. And I just think it's so weird. Like, hey, whenever you meet these characters and you have the meet and greets or the the character breakfasts, like, oh, there's just Elmo's just going to stare at you and not say anything. <laughs> he'll wave and give high fives yeah. and he'll hug, but don't talk to Ernie because he's not going to answer you. I think that's so creepy. It is a little weird, especially in this day and age. Don't look Ernie directly in the eyes. <laughs> I should disclose that I have an Elmo costume in the house that I have used at like four of my. Well, I only have three kids, but at four birthday parties across those three kids. Can you can you bring it to Australia with you? Uh, it is so huge. I had a special order it. I mean, it's it's a knockoff Elmo costume anyway, so it's sort of like it's Elma. But um, I will pay for the extra bag if you'll wear that on the live show in Australia. It's it has to be. It is. I mean, it is the biggest Elmo you have ever seen because it's not just <laughs> I'm six two, but the costume has to be bigger than you when you think about how those character heads are shaped. Right. So this is like this is like six six Elmo. <laughs> and it is awesome. it is just 
I mean, he is a monster, but he is never more a monster than when I am in his body. <laughs> when are you guys leaving for that? Uh, the end of this month, I guess. The end of May. <laughs> okay, end of May. Yeah, that's that's a show I've been meaning to go to. The the live Elmo unprofessional. I, I'm I'm always ready to go to Australia. I I don't need an excuse to go to Australia. It's one of my favorite places in the world. All right, May nineteenth, be there. Yeah. Well, we we tried. Yeah, we, we tried to we, get we, Matt there. We were over. We we talked. We talked. We tried. Yeah. So thank you for accommodating me uh, stateside. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah, you would have been the uh, the first person to do the show live without doing the show recorded first. Actually, you'd be the first person other than Amy Jane to do the show live. Right. That honor now goes to Paul. Paul Kavasis. Oh, awesome. He'll be joining us down there. He's very easy to talk to. And easy to love. <laughs> Our rule with live shows is we want somebody that we know we can have a conversation with. That's that's general. I would say that's a, that's a, that's a generally good thing, live or not. But especially live, yeah, because you, you need to keep rolling when you're live. Right. With the recorded podcast, we could talk for six hours and... And, you know, just have Dave find the best 20 minutes if there was nothing else to do. But, <laughs> right. Live, there's there's been that. a couple. Uh, no, it, it's um, – how did we get – how did we end up talking about the show? Because uh, you said you wanted me to bring Elmo to Australia. Oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry. That's our call. <laughs> I, I was going to ask, are you going to also do the Elmo voice if you bring the costume? But I, I Yeah, I really can't. I can do many Muppet voices, but Elmo is like – my throat and Elmo just – okay, that's going to be weird. <laughs> And My throat it. and Elmo just don't mix. 